Hello, everyone. I'm Greg Ladke of BlueAndGold.com, joined by Mike Goolsby and Tim Hyde. Boy, I don't know, guys, if my head's about to explode having both of you on this show, but this is I can't wait for this. Uh, the big news, we are able to, uh, we've independently confirmed with a couple sources, uh, the multiple reports going around that, A, Marcus Freeman is expected to be named the 32nd head coach of Notre Dame football, and we also expect Tommy Reese to stay on the staff as offensive coordinator. Um, Mike Goolsby, I'll start with you. <laughs> what are your thoughts on everything that's transpired here over the last couple days? You know, again, it's been a whirlwind, and uh, I couldn't be happier. My only, my only um, reservation with Coach Freeman is just his age. It's not his potential. It's not his ability. It's just he's a younger guy, and it's a big, big job. But um, – I think he's one of those people. We've talked about this. You know, Mike Singer and I have talked about this as it correlates to our quarterback, our young quarterback in Buckner, and that he might just be one of those exceptional type people. And uh, I've met Marcus Freeman, mm-hmm. and he's he's an exceptional guy. Um, and Tim, he can recruit. Yes. And that is the name of the game in college football. And uh, it's nice to have a guy that I think in Lou, Lou Holtz, I, I saw a little snippet of Lou Holtz earlier today where – he felt like Coach Kelly never really appreciated the university and never really grabbed hold of what makes the University of Notre Dame so special, why all of us are, are fans and diehards. And I, I really do think that Freeman understood what Notre Dame was about and what Notre Dame stood for. He's been here for almost a year now. I think he's latched onto it. I think he's won the team over. And um, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun couple of years here. Tim, what do you think? Well, I'm going to bounce right off of uh, Goolsby right there is, uh, you know, Freeman definitely knows what Notre Dame is. It goes back to some of his, you know, when he got hired, he talked about how he was recruited, you know, recruited by Mike Denbrock, actually, um, I believe he said, correct. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being recruited there to ND. So he's, he's got a feel for it. He understands it and things of that nature. And then once he gets there and he's in those offices, he's on that campus, he's going to the dining halls you were yapping about last night, Greg. Mm-hmm. enjoying the food, enjoying the people and seeing everything it is. And plus, and I know, I know Mike's talked about this as well in some of his uh, conversations with Singer, like, you know, he had his cup of, you know, coffee in the NFL, just like, you know, Mike did. And he understands what a degree means. He understands mm-hmm. all those things. You know, obviously you go to Notre Dame, Notre Dame's upper echelon. We all know that you're going there. You're going forward to play football. Those dudes want to go to the NFL as bad as, they do at Alabama and everything, but you know, the NFL shelf life is so short. What in the world are you going to do afterwards? And, and Freeman seems to get it and he has been selling it. You've heard the recruits talk about it. You've heard the parents talk about it. And when he did a bunch, you know, he did a bunch of interviews over the summer and it was just coming out of his pores. The love, you know, the love, you know, that he has for Notre Dame and, you know, you, just, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see the response of the players, the recruits, it's going to be, it's going to go through the roof. They're going to be hyped. They're going to be ready. And I think, you know, just real quick, I'm going on a rant because I'm fired up. No, please rant. Really, we got all night. Really yeah, I know exactly. We're live. Let's rant, you know, what the heck. Right. So I think, I think you're going to see the excitement. I think you're going to see the energy because this is different. This is not, you know, when, you know, when Mike, when Mike played and Willingham came aboard and before him, Davey and whatnot, this is like, I, people are angry. Okay. I think the longer 
the more and more people are away from what transpired the other night. The fact that they've, they've learned that Kelly was literally in a dude's living room having pasta and a salad and then leaves and takes the job in five minutes and has the, the goal to say on Dan Patrick, he's hanging out with his lawyer that night. Are you, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to come out and I think it's going to rally. I think Mike Goolsby, the players, I don't know if you guys know, you saw Chris Zorch did a podcast with all the ex you know, dudes that he played with back in the heyday. Mm-hmm. They're fired up. I think Notre Dame nation's fired up and I think they're going to rally like mad dogs around Marcus Freeman. Please hit like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Goolsby, I want to ask you, you went through a coaching change while you were at Notre Dame, but I also want to ask you first, actually, there are so many players out there being like, it's got to be Freeman. It's got to be Freeman. I mean, do you think ultimately that had an impact on on Jack Swarbrick's decision? That's an interesting question. I've said this before, and real recognizes real. Uh, I, I think you talk about players, so you're obviously saying current players and future players, you know, commits, mm-hmm. uh, obviously that Freeman's been involved with and built relationships with. Let's talk about ex-players like myself, ex-players that were on Chris Orch's podcast. Um, there was so much momentum and so much, such such a strong push to get Coach Freeman on board. You want to say Coach or Jack Swarbrick's hands might have been a little bit tied, and to hell with it, man. Yeah. I think it's a splash hire. Um, I, I do think going back to like Kelly bullshitting people, where he said, "Oh, I was a players' coach," and again, nobody's ever said that of Kelly. Nobody's ever. Yeah, no. he's got a purple face screaming at a kid on the sideline. That's not a players' coach. Uh, but I think when when and Coach Freeman would say something like that. It, you buy it. I do think he's an authentic person going back to kind of, we're just Tim and I are probably going to ping pong all night, but um, understanding having coaches, coach Freeman's understanding maybe prior to landing here and then being here and fully soaking in what Notre Dame means and is supposed to mean. And like Lou Holtz is the, the last legendary coach we had. And like Lou, He's always said, Tim, if Notre Dame needs anything, I'll be there. Like, you name it, I'll do it. Because uh, he loves the school, loves the program, loves what it stands for. I think that Coach Freeman understands that a big part of Notre Dame uh, football, the university, the alumni network, Greg, you understand this. Tim, your wife understands this as an alum, is relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm on this text chain with ex-football buddies of mine from ND, and it's gone on for maybe 20 years now. Uh, somebody just earlier this afternoon reposted where Drew Tranquil had posted kind of in support of Coach Freeman. Coach Freeman recruited me when he was at Purdue. He saw my picture in the hallway yeah, at the stadium. And X number of years, eight years later, reaches out. That's a dude that freaking understands relationships. Yeah. You know, and you see how this kind of plays out. And you see how it seeped into the team. So it's hard. <laughs> it's like you're trying to pump the brakes a little bit because you're like, you know, it's, it's such a fun thing to get excited. And you're, you know, you kind of have to look at things from a critical eye. Um, it's a young staff. Yeah. If, if he's going to be like the head coach slash DC, and then you've got Coach Reese. So I'm curious to see who sort of takes that associate head coach or assistant head coach type role as sort of the, um, you know, the old man on the roster, maybe the voice of reason. There's got to be, it have to be a little bit of, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? 
just more mature presence. An adult, like not to say they aren't adults, but an older adult presence. Yeah, there's no yeah, question yeah. that. that. But uh, it, it's going to be exciting, and yeah, it's just um, and what a recruiting tool, Tim, oh. for Coach Freeman just to be like, hey, show me any other. So you're talking to a five star quarterback, right? Oh gosh, five star quarterback. So he's sitting in a five-star quarterback's living room in the near future, and he could just pull up his Twitter and just be like, any of these other schools got a coach that's got this kind of response from current and future and former players? Anybody? Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't exist. What a tremendous, impactful recruiting tool for him. Let me just say, let me just say two things what Mike just talked about, or, or your question real quick about, you know, you know, Dr. Jack, you know, was he pressured? You know, I mean, we talked about this last night. I mean, I, I mean, he he's was, one of the smartest way. dudes in America. What's that? I said, I hope he was, because I think it's a great hire, just for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, the same time, you know, he's one smart dude now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the guy is not where he's at for just, you know, reading Twitter. So, you know, the, the guy is a smart guy. And I think it goes back to, I mean, number one, they went out and got him. You know, Brian Kelly, you know, Brian Kelly and them, you know, he never knew Marcus Freeman. He was the hot name. You know, and obviously they needed someone when Clark Lee left and, you know, the pressure, so to speak, of going out and getting someone. And they went out and got the hottest dude on the market and they paid for him. And, and Swarbrick went and did that. And that now he's around him all year long. So he sees him. I think that's the biggest thing because you're going to read, you know, articles and there's going to be, you know, Notre Dame fans. Oh, he's never been a head coach. OK, great. You know, the history of Notre Dame with guys who've never been a head coach. We get it. It's out there. But he's been on campus and he's been a major recruiter. You know, Bob Davey obviously was on campus, but Bob Davey and Lou Holtz, you know, they, you know, they never really got along. And Bob Davey was never known as the hot recruiter back in those heydays. So it's a little bit different. He's got a persona about him. And I think Swarbrick obviously interviewed him and, and saw that, but he knew it all going in. And then the, the timeline, all those things, my gut, my gut is a Notre Dame follower since I was about six minutes old. Out of the, you know, out of my mother's womb way back when, and my grandfather was a diehard ND guy, as I started following him way back when, is this is like, keep the band together. Keep these dudes mm -hmm. together. Let's get this thing going. These guys know how to coach. you got Reese, who's an alum. You know, obviously, they're running the show on offense, all of those things. Or do you sit back? Do you wait? Do you interview six guys over the next two weeks? And then you're going to see things start to crumble. You know, and I go back, you know, I, I said it last night to what Brian Kelly said last week, where, you know, going back to when they were talking about Isaiah Foskey and trying to keep him back. And he says, hey, these guys on this team know what we have next year. So I yeah. think that's biggie. And I think Swarbrick was like, let's keep this going, because if we wait for Fickle or we go get, you know, Matt Rule or whoever the heck. It is. I mean, Matt Rule's in the NFL. He's not going to leave now, but I'm just right. throwing him out there. Anybody. You're going to wait till January. You're going to lose half the class. You're going to have some of these seniors that can come back for a fifth year. Foskey come back for his fourth year. They're going to be on the fence and more than likely they're going to leave. So you're right back to eight and four next year and then recycle everything. Instead, hey, let's keep Marcus Freeman. Let's keep this recruiting going. And I mean, my God, they're top five class. Who knows how they finish now? Get some mojo. Next year's class is filled with freakazoids they're already getting guys you know down the road so you know i wonder what, if uh, 
I, I was just going to say, was he swayed? I don't think he was swayed other than who Marcus Freeman is. Yeah. And I think that's what swayed him in the end is what Freeman could bring to the table. Mike, go ahead. I don't have a, I don't have a ton of familiarity with Jack Swarbrick. I have zero familiarity with Jack Swarbrick. <laughs> Watching his press conference, uh, super composed dude. You could tell he was, he's an impressive man. I just part of me wondered if in the back of my mind he didn't already know that he was going to go get Freeman. Um, that maybe he had to do his due diligence. But th that kind of st struck me like his level of composure. He was like, well, this is just kind of a formality, um, this this little search. And I, you talked about, Greg, you'd asked that he did, did all the support and all the, the rallying cries for Coach Freeman. Did that kind of tie Coach, uh, I keep calling him Coach, Jack Swarbert's hands. I wonder if that didn't give Freeman some leverage. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and leverage in terms of, I don't think the school needs much in the way of facilities and all this crap that Kelly was like, you've got the best of the best down here in the SEC and LSU and, and all the advantages and whatever. I'm talking in terms of like, remember Tim with like Coach Holtz? He was able to pull a few different strings academically. Famously, Tony Rice and Chris Zorge weren't necessarily qualifiers, and now they're tremendous ambassadors of the university. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this will be fun to see it play out on the recruiting trail just to see if we're able to maybe pluck a kid or two um, and make a few exceptions for maybe like borderline type academic kids into the future. I hope that's the case. And maybe, you know, Freeman used that uh, little window of, of opportunity to, you know, weave that into his. Uh, negotiations the, I, you brought the point with leverage the one thing I, I i'd point out also is that um when jack swarbrick last made a hire for head coach at notre dame i don't think the 2009 notre dame football team as players had leverage about who their next head football coach was going to be because they didn't play well and the 2005 or the 2004 team going in 2005 they were getting destroyed uh, so i wonder like how much it's because they won 11 and one they're rolling as a program. Players obviously are a huge, huge reason why you roll as a program. That that gives extra leverage when they when they go on this sort of campaign. Mike, go ahead. So I have a little bit of experience because um, you're one year removed, like, right? You had a change, uh, well, and then you were one year before Will Willingham left. So right? I was there for Davy. I was there for Davy for two days. I was there with O'Leary for four days. Oh yeah, I was there for. <laughs> Willingham for two years, and as Willingham was going out, I was in the I was in the meeting with Coach Weiss. Oh, were you? Okay. Uh, yeah, and he actually this is a true story. He pulled me to the side and he said, "If I could have two players back from this team, he said it'd be me and number forty four, who was ultimately Justin Tuck." And he sat to, he sat with me and talked to me about how to try and make it in the NFL. So it was a cool experience. Now, Willingham got canned, and uh, senior leadership, and also what a weird thing. Willingham named the team captain after the season. How bizarre, right? So I was named team captain after the season, which is stupid. It's like him trying to, that's ego to me. I'm going I'm to switch up the way you do captains. Long story short, we went in and talked to, who was the AD at the time, Tim? Um, was that Kevin White? Kevin White, no, thank I, you. Yeah. Um, Kevin, yeah. So we went and talked to Kevin White about the bowl game and it was like, you know, a lot of these kids don't, you know, aren't going to want to play. Now, Corey Mays was on Zorich's podcast last night. He said that we took a vote on whether or not to go to the game. 
it was my idea and we we used different color post-it notes to, in order to know how to weigh the votes so like freshmen true freshmen got like a yellow post-it note sophomores got pink etc cetera, etc cetera. so to know how to weigh the votes um but kevin white did make some concessions in terms of like if we are going to go to the bowl game this is what we want in terms of uh i don't remember what all the particulars were but he was uh was listening with both ears wide open just because um it was such, such a shitty situation for us as a team mm -hmm. so uh i do think players and leadership and all that momentum the more i sit here and think about it greg i do think that that was probably a uh a definitely a deciding factor in coach freeman Go ahead, I mean, uh, let me say i mean exactly you know just partly right off of that i think it was a i think it was a motivating thing as a uh you know, I don't want to use the the bad term, so to speak, towards Kelly, but a blank you to Brian Kelly of, you know, we're going to keep these guys together. You know, seriously, we're going to keep these guys together. We got a young football team, a bunch of super talented guys. You know, you know, do we need to put these guys out there, uh, floating around, you know, waiting for a couple weeks, so to you know, so to speak, and see what's going on, and then you name a interim coach you know polian let's just throw him out there polian for the bowl game freeman and reese would be gone i mean if it you know if if swarbuck already told hey you know guys i'm going to interview six guys and see yeah. what's going on well well they're in baton rouge today wearing purple with brian kelly you know saying academic excellence about lsu and you know ex exactly what a yeah, you know, just don't even get started on that but uh it takes a special kind of person to go out and do what Kelly's doing. Like it takes a, and not a, not a good type of special, but I'll tell you, Tim, like when you're saying the big athlete to Kelly, in my experience thus far in my life, I think two things really bring people together, a common goal or a, a common enemy slash mutual enemy. Yeah. So it's like, this, we've is already got a, this is both. This is a common yeah. goal and an enemy. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, this should be fun. I, I, I'm excited to see, you know, how the uh, the postseason kind of plays out and what the what the what the, what the line is going to be on the game. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, there was not there was a lot of not so subtle shade thrown between the parties. I thought with with Kelly's uh, press conference today, some of his opening remarks about being hired at LSU. And then just before we went on the air, Tommy Reese and Notre Dame released a tweet of him announcing to the team that he's staying. And he must have said in about a 60-second period, it was really important for me to break the news to you in person. He yeah. said more than once, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's also like exactly. Uh, but what do you guys think about – I mean, we've already kind of referenced it quite a bit. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, just wouldn't it be cool if LSU played Notre Dame in a bowl game in the next couple of years? I mean, that would just be fantastic, and hopefully Notre Dame would go three and zero against the. Well, Greg, 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 if 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 ND plays LSU in a game or a bowl game, etc., playoff game in the next couple two three years, that would qualify as a big game, right, Greg? I think so. Well, I mean, so if Coach, so if Coach Kelly's coaching the opposition, I like our chances <laughs> in a big game. Hey, real, hey, real quick on the Notre Dame things, I. I mean, who's ever in charge of those, you know, with, I mean, first off you had, you know, coach Bayless, you know, just his video yesterday, you saw the look in those. I mean, that was the defense, by the way, that was there in that video. Those guys were ready just to go to war. Those guys were hyped up beyond belief, you know, and you heard Bayless and now you have the Reese video. 
I think one by one, I think it's so damn smart what they're doing because they're just like, Hey, we're staying. This is Notre Dame. You know, you could go down to Baton Rouge all you want, but this is Notre Dame. And one by one, we're staying. We're not going to follow you, Brian Kelly, if anything. I mean, first off, Tommy Reese is Brian Kelly's son. Yeah. He's basically his son. And and Reese is like, I'm staying, you know, I'm staying where I belong in that South Bend. I think that's a huge slap towards Brian Kelly. Mike, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it's a huge slap towards Brian Kelly. But I'm telling you, man, I, I think that Kelly, I don't I don't know if the relationships in, in the character piece and the ethical piece. I truly, this isn't me just talking shit. I don't know if it matters to Coach Kelly. I don't know if that resonates with somebody with that type of a wiring, right? Legitimately. Um, so, yes, it's a slap in the face. Again, I don't know if he cares. But then I just look at all of this as, like, what a tremendous recruiting tool. And it's and it's not smoke and mirrors, Tim. It's not, like, a, a, a put-on. It's, it's legitimate, like – that strength coach literally said on camera, camera's behind his back. He's not hamming it up for anybody. He's like, I want to die here. Yeah. You know, that's powerful. And I can tell you a personal experience. I remember in Mickey Marathi, and like, you don't, I talked to a Notre Dame player, current player earlier today, and he was talking about Coach Ballas. And I was like, you know, you spend so much time with that strength coach. You spend more time with your strength coach. So all the future college football players that are maybe watching this podcast, evaluate that strength coach because you spend literally like 70% of your time at that school with that man. Yeah. Um, but on my recruiting visit, you know, Mickey Marathi, who I, probably to this day, I take a bullet for the guy and you get super close with him and he was doing some sort of a demonstration in the weight room. And I remember I looked at Greg Pauly, who was a, you know, five-star recruit back then. And I was like, dude, you coming here? I was like, I'm coming here. Cause like, I was just, you know, bought in. So that just speaks to the power of those guys, uh, literally and, fi- and figuratively. Uh, by the well, way, that's the ex-players. Uh, just real quick, Greg, a bunch of the ex-players have been coming out, like retweeting that and talking about that. Like this is the biggest hire bar none that he's staying, how he turned the program around. McGlinchey, Mike McGlinchey did a podcast uh, with Eric Hansen, the South Bend Tribune just a couple weeks ago. And he talked about, he truly believes the biggest sea change since, you know, the Brian Kelly 2.0 after the meltdown was was Bayless in the, in the strength program. He said mm-hmm. he changed everything about Notre Dame. Kelly gets a lot of the credit. He's the head coach. But just like Goolsby said, look at Mickey Mirati, what he did with Urban Meyer at Ohio State, Florida. You know, obviously great football coaches, but, but Mickey Mirati was a mastermind getting those guys ready to play football at a high level. So those strength it's a big, coaches. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big, that strength big. coach plays, he plays a big role in um, that kind of, that mental toughness and like, a, you know, mental toughness and backbone culture team. I mean, like those work winter workouts, they are, there's a, a couple of winter, winter workouts. It's like, this is like, you look back and you're so tired. Like you almost want to cry. You know, like that was the hardest thing I'll, I'll ever do in my life. And we did it together. So, uh, you know, Kelly gets a little bit of credit for bringing a guy like Bayless on, on staff um, for sure. But uh, this is, this is, we keep talking about current players, but, you know, Tim, you and I both keep mentioning former players. Yeah. And if you did watch the Zorch, Zorch podcast, go back and watch it. Um, at the very, very end, it's a couple hours long, like, uh, the guys are talking about how they they sort of felt 
sort of ignored by by Coach Kelly and like they didn't necessarily feel welcome um, back on campus. And West West Pritchett is hilarious. He yeah. was talking you know, this and that. But I mean, I felt I haven't been back in years, and I asked them one time for an extra field pass, and like they wouldn't give me an extra field pass. And I was just like, dude, you know, I broke bones here. Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to get an extra field pass. You know, I'm not trying to. So, uh, but it's this is like you've got current former or current players, but then you've got former players that are catching a buzz off of this, and uh, that's cool because there's a lot of former players that are have played in the NFL that are in the NFL, and that to me is just another recruiting angle, recruiting pitch. I don't know. Well, if you read. Oh, uh, just real quick, Greg. Just real quick. Sure. I mean, you read between the you read between the lines. Uh, you're going back to Brian. What Brian Kelly's talking, you know, said in the last 24 hours. You read between the lines, and it's like, well, I got far enough with these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like you say, now I'm coaching SEC guys. That type of mindset. Well, it's uh, you know, I'm listening to this. I'm like, dude, you're the head coach. Mm-hmm. If you want an SEC guy, go get the SEC guy. You're the head coach. Yeah. So it's like, you know. Why are you complaining about what you had at Notre Dame when you're in charge for 12 years? You're in charge of 12 years. Who steps on that campus? Who puts on a helmet? Who runs out of the stadium? You're in charge of that. So, you know, don't say, oh, you know, I didn't have enough guys. You're in charge of it. Easy as that. And I think that's a slap in the face towards the Mike Goolsby, the Chris Zorches, the Tony Rices, Zach Martin in the NFL, all these dudes who he's basically saying, well, we can only do so much at Notre Dame. Uh, that's, you know, that, that's a cop-out. Tim, I appreciate it, but don't lump me in, don't lump me in with those guys. <laughs> that's, that's a... uh, please, please hit like on this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. I just want to address real quick, we're getting a bunch of questions about uh, the other coaches on the staff. Before we went on the air, the only, uh, the only other staff member that we had had at least one level of verification was planning on sticking around was John McNulty. Uh, there was questions about Lance Taylor. I think the general feeling is that Lance Taylor would be very likely to. Um, you got to remember that Mike Elston has been with Brian Kelly forever, um, but he would be a huge, huge coach to retain too. I mean, and and maybe Mike Goolsby, to your point earlier. Maybe he's more of the senior adult in the room, a guy with some associate head coach experience, excellent recruiter, and an unbelievable player developer, too. Mute. Yeah, Mike. Mike, you are not I, – I don't have you on mute, so I think, Mike, we have some audio trouble. You want to – um, just do some tests and figure out what's going on, on your side. But Tim, I'll, I'll pitch that to you. I mean, you're obviously familiar with how well um, Mike Elson has done as a player developer. He's an excellent recruiter. What would be your reaction if they were able to retain him, given you know he's got a lot of loyalty to Brian Kelly as well? Well, we talked about this the other night, you know, you know, uh, with with Mike Singer about you know Elston, you know, does he become the DC because of the work and relationship he's had this year with Marcus Freeman? You know, Brian Kelly's talked about those guys working side by side together, putting game plans together, things of that nature, given obviously Mike Elson a little love. But Mike Elson has taken a bunch of three stars, some low end four stars and kick butt and have high energy. You know, mm-hmm. they've turned into a hockey team on D-line the way they rotate. And that's him. That's getting him to get seven, eight, nine guys every single game to buy in 
and go out there and play their tails off. Uh, and, and one more thing real quick about coaching questions. I was reading some of the comments is like, oh, is this guy back? Is this guy back? We need an O-line coach. Hey, Marcus Freeman is a Buckeye, you know? I mean, and I say that as in high-end football, okay? The guy's been around high-end football, okay? The guy played for Trestle. He's been around Urban Meyer. Luke Fickles was his coach. I'm sure Marcus Freeman has, you know, some phone numbers in his cell phone that he could call up and get some dues. I'm not just saying Buckeye guys. I'm just saying in general, high-quality football coaches that he's been around, he's probably played with that or coaching. You know, don't forget, he's been at Purdue. Obviously, he coached at Ohio State. So I'm sure there's a, a handful of dudes he could call in a heartbeat that will jump at the opportunity to come coach at Notre Dame with him. Yeah, Mike, Greg, can you hear me? Yes, you're good now. I want, I want your thoughts on Elston because Mike Singer right here just uh, let us know as, as he's tracking all this while we're on the air here. He says he likes Mike Elston to stick with Notre Dame. I mean, to me, that would be uh, yeah. a- after, you know, the, the news of Freeman being head coach and, and re-sticking around his offensive corner, it doesn't get more important than retaining Mike Elston, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you've got, you know, I, I will give Kelly credit for creating this culture. And I'm, I'm hopefully I make a salient point here. <laughs> I don't think that those kids in that team played for Coach Kelly. I think they played for each other. And you've, you've heard as much in terms of how, how they speak publicly about each other. Um, there's a lot of, you know, Tim, you know this as a coach, like there's a lot of, Every year there's a new slogan and, you know, you're trying to find rallying cries. Like this is a band of brothers, but like what you're seeing, if Elston stays, Reese is staying, if kids don't transfer out, if all these commitments stick, like this is literally a band of brothers, right? And it goes back to having a common enemy, having a common goal. Um, To your point earlier, Tim, I caught the tail end of it that, you know, Coach Freeman came out of Ohio State, has some of those connections. He played in the NFL for six years. He has some connections there. And then if we go back to what we first talked about with that, we'll just use that, uh, him understanding the importance of relationships, use that Drew Tranquil text message exchange as an example. How many of those NFL connections does he have where he's made, been able to juggle and, and keep alive all these relationships and save all those phone numbers and contacts, et cetera? So, um, I think uh, it, this is it's 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 pretty remarkable what you're seeing, and this is this is unique to to big time college football, um, you know, in, t- in today's like you know climate, really, right? Yeah. In terms of all the wishy washiness and people flip flopping. Well, uh, real quick on the coaches. I mean, how many times do you see coaches change, and ninety percent of their staff goes with them? I mean, like when Brian Kelly came, everybody came over with him from Cincinnati. You know, the only coach that stayed from Charlie Weiss was Alford at running back. That was it. You know, everyone else came over from Cincinnati. So, uh, can I say another thing? Sorry, sorry. I've got another thing to say. (laughs) Like, (laughs) go figure. Uh, Like, when I was done with football, when football was done with me, rather, you know, I thought long and hard about coaching, and I still am involved in coaching and, you know, training young kids. So, I, I get to kind of satiate myself in that way. Part of the reason that I didn't get into college coaching is because I saw what I saw with ha- what happened to Coach Willingham's staff when he got shit canned, right? So like his offensive coordinator ended up in the CFL. Like it was just, it was kind of a mess. So as a, as an assistant, if you hitch your wagon to the wrong head guy and it goes sideways or it goes south, it can be like that fall can be 
precipitous, right? Mm -hmm. You end up, you go from being an OC at, and Coach Dietrich's a great man, but he's a OC at Notre Dame, and now he ends up in the CFL. I'm like, I don't, that's a risky proposition. Now, contrast that with Coach Freeman. His his star is just steadily going up and up and up and up, where you're going to see top flight assistants that want to glom onto that. That's a very, very real thing. Yes. Good point. Yes. Um, something struck me, uh, Goolsby, if we can go back uh, to what you actually both pointed out. But, you know, I, I handle a lot of our photo editing, just as one of the things I do on the side for the site. And there's when you went to games as a former player or you have friends that go there, former players, there's a lot of pictures we have of Marcus Freeman intermingling with the recruits and other people on the sideline. Uh, can you give me a feel for like when that would be during the game? And I just wonder if that's when he made some of these connections with, with former players like Drew Tra- – I mean, he, he obviously recruited Tranquil back at Purdue, but like do, maybe he, I mean, he just seems to have a connection. He had all that support on social media from former players that you, you may not realize how they knew the guy. Yeah. I, when would that take place, if that's your question? Yeah. Sorry, long-winded. <laughs> Predominantly, I think it'd be before the game. Okay. Um, and there's, there's times where – I didn't want to say this, and Tom Lemming, again, going back to Zorch's podcast, um, we should get some royalties out of this. We're giving it so many plugs over here. But, like, <laughs> Tom Lemming said that, like, you, 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 Willingham clearly loved to play golf. Willingham uh, – you know, there's there's these guys that in the past that were lazy recruiters because they like to spend so much time on a, on a golf course. And it's not just a Notre Dame thing. It's a, a coaching thing. Like, A, I don't know if Freeman plays golf, right? But Freeman cares. So, like, mm. I don't think – and, again, I go back to the idea of being authentic versus Kelly being a fraud. Like, if, if tr- Freeman truly cares about winning, he cares about these kids, it's nothing for him to say, hey, I'm going to shoot off to the side and, and dap some kids up for 15 minutes. Hey, I'm going to skip I'm gonna skip out of the team dinner the night before. I'm going to go visit with some families, right, because if you, if you care – uh, I've never understood lazy recruiters. Like if you're the head coach of any football program, yeah. every time you walk into a high school, every time you walk into a living room, you're getting your ego stroked. Right. But, but, but I, no, I'm making X amount of money. I'm going to go hit the links versus going and hitting the road. And it's just like, I, I, I don't, it's, a, it's such a disconnect to me. Yeah. Um, you're exalted when you walk down the hallway of that high school, like, dang, that's the head coach at Notre Dame. Who wouldn't want that? You know? Yeah. Well, I think it's we're a, about it's a I, thing to me. I think we're gonna get the fairest look at just the recruiting prowess of Notre Dame with this hire because it's not gonna be an issue of the head coach not making that extra phone call, not being a closer. I mean, now Brian Kelly had a lot of those complaints about it, was that he just didn't have the recruiting energy to be a Urban Meyer, Nick Saban type closer. Um, Notre Dame's gonna have that now with Marcus Freeman. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much, I mean, just the recruiting power that Notre Dame has with kids across the country. Tim. Can I, can I share a personal story? Oh, go ahead. Tim. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I trained a kid here in Omaha. He wound up at Nebraska. He was a wide receiver. I saw him at a seven on seven thing, helped turn him into a tight end, Thomas Bedoni. He became the number one tight end in the country. Mm-hmm. Okay, look it up. Last year's recruiting class, mm-hmm. like five-star kid. 
I let Notre Dame know about this kid before anybody did, and I think they ended up, I think I've said this before, talked about this publicly before. I think Notre Dame was like his 12th offer or his 18th offer or something like that. And I was just, I was sick for the kid, and I was beside myself. Yeah. You know, I was like, maybe I'm not the best talent evaluator in the world, but find me a six foot five kid with a six eleven wingspan that runs a four six eight. You know, and wears a four X glove, and it's like, oh yeah, we're not interested. It's like, come yeah. on, man, and like stuff like that would just, and it's like, and then you want to be like, if you've got access to some of these kids, it's like, well then screw it. You know, why would I try and help out my alma mater and, and let them know that you should go recruit the, kid, the hell out of this kid? You know, it's yeah. frustrating. So, I'm sorry, Tim, I cut you off. No, no, no. I was gonna say you're just talking about recruiting. I mean, let's go back to when Marcus Freeman got hired this year. You know, what the first guy he got was Ford, the big time defensive end. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, and then it's leaked out after he commits that Brian Kelly never talked to him one time. He's one of the, t- well, I, th- I think when he committed, he was like yeah. number 120 in America. So you got one of the top 150 players in America who commits to Notre Dame. I, I don't think he had obviously visited yet because it's still the COVID rules and all that junk, but he committed to Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly didn't even give him a call. So it's like, yeah, that, they're crazy. And Notre Dame doesn't crank out 6'5", 275 pound DNs. Tim, Tim, I think I, I think was, can I say too busy? I, I, I think shopping for suits. That story was written. It, I think there might be yes. some pushback by Notre Dame on the. Well, uh, there was there was there was pushback, but it was reported, and and the father even said it was true. Obviously, there was pushback because that's the Brian Kelly persona over the years when it comes to recruiting mm-hmm. i mean let's go back to the signing day last year when how you know how many of those coaches if you remember those interviews talked up brian kelly's recruiting prowess if you remember right on those zoom calls elston polian go back and watch those and listen to those from signing day last year is fascinating how that was the you know the talking points so to speak and then they hire freeman and then they get you know, for the big time DN, Kelly doesn't call him. And then the Notre Dame staffers are, oh, no, 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 pushing back. Don't write that about Brian Kelly. But it's true. Tom Lemming went public today talking about guys. He was on a, 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 you know, he's part of CBS Sports. He was doing something for them, talking about recruiting. And he threw out a bunch of names whose parents told him, yeah, we called Notre Dame. He never called us back. So, which is fascinating. These are four or five stars all across America. But uh, 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 real quick, talking about players, um, you know, the, you know, on Twitter the other day, the, you know, the, you know, the the live audio that uh, uh, Asif did, I don't even know how to say his last name, but Mick. uh, ASAP. ASAP. Yeah, I said that wrong. Sorry. You know, ASAP (laughs) did, but he had, you know, a bunch of ex Kelly players are on there. Nick Wisher was on there, the tight end, Julian Love. You know, you know, unanimous All-American was on that thing. And they all talked about, hey, we knew Brian Kelly was there. You know, we needed something. We could go to Brian Kelly and he would be like, hey, I'm here for you guys. I'm going to help you. But they're like, no one ever walked into Kelly's room and just said, hey, coach, how you doing? He was like, you just didn't do that. He, that's just not who he was. You went, you know, we went and hung out with our assistant coaches and things of that nature. And you don't hear about that with Saban. You know, he's got an open door policy and a bunch of, the, you know, do you think Dabo Sweeney saying, ah, oh, I don't have time for you, Trevor Lawrence? No, he's talking to those guys all the time. But when you get ex-players that were on that video called, you know, a couple nights ago on Twitter that were literally coming out, hey, we like Brian Kelly. We won. He was a great coach, did a lot of good things for us. 
but you know, you want to go have a cup of coffee and, you know, talk about the daily news that, that never took place, which yeah. is fascinating to learn. I have a, a, a comment here uh, on the screen from uh, a user, Steve Dillon. I think that he makes a good point. We actually talked about this in prior chats is that uh, the early signing period um, is changing. I think how some of these things unfold with coaches, it, the window, if you're a college this year, and you wanted to make a move after the regular season, but you wanted a coach in place for the early signing period, you had no time. I mean, you had to do it so it two fast. Weeks. And yeah. Mike, you know, back in your time, it was just one signing day, right, in February. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I mean, and what would that have been like in your recruitment if there was a mid-December period? I think um, all I can say about the early signing period is I'm not a fan it's there to serve the coaches. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the kids. Uh, mm -hmm. In my estimation, it's like they can get that, that early signee and they can move on to the next class. It just keeps speeding up the recruiting. Um, and you know, there's, there are late bloomers. That's a very, very real thing with these young, with these young men. And you're going to miss out on some of those kids or excuse me, some of those kids are going to miss out on some of those opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of that early signing day. I can't really speak to how that part works into the, the the coaching I, I I don't know how I don't I'd love to know like who was the original agent that was able to write up these contracts the way that they're structured and they're just so one sided you know where else in the world it's just like yeah you can fail and you get you get you get paid it's just you can keep failing up it's very strange I that'd be an interesting thirty for thirty one day Tim <laughs> oh God yes yeah guys get fired and they still make twenty five million and what what Charlie Weiss I think just got his last paycheck two years ago from Notre Dame. You know, they, the contracts are insane how they're written and everything, but you're so right, Greg, that the early signing dates, you know, but it's just jump started everything. I mean, you have, you, you have guys taking official visits what in, in May and June, when the heck did that ever take place? You know, back in the heyday, you know, especially at Notre Dame, no one visited Notre Dame during the whole cheers until the banquet. I mean, right. does Notre Dame even have a banquet nowadays? So the banquet used to be the show. That was the big show they would have, and everyone would you know, climb into that. That was the big recruiting weekend to get things rolling. Nowadays, you're you know you're doing official visits in the spring, which which is just wild. And then you got to get them back to campus, make sure they come to campus. The Mike Singer follow the visits, which is so true. I mean, if you're not coming back to South Bend in the fall for a game they're probably going to lose you just like with the modern day guy, CJ Williams. He's never visited during a game. Every other recruit at Notre Dame who's going to sign has been back to at least one or two games, which yeah. means they're buying in, they're doing all those things. So the pressure's huge, but at the same time, you know, if you know you're going to get rid of a coach, Hey, you know, I hate USC. Don't get me wrong, but USC <laughs> smart as could be. They got rid of Helton, you know, and they say, Oh, well, they called Lincoln Riley. Believe me, they spent two months, tracking every single thing so as soon as that coach's last game was done lincoln riley was on a call within two hours with mike bone the ad so boom it's going to go that fast from now on where you're going to see more coaches fired in the middle of the season just hey the move on and let's go from there uh thank you uh joseph for the super chat we are uh more than happy to get super chats and thank you everyone for hitting like on this video subscribe to our youtube channel check out our free newsletter on blueandgold.com sign up for that a great way to um follow what we're doing we'll have some more serious notre dame talk but this is a great point i want to know both of you guys real quick your favorite wrestler between you know in the in the 80s let's say 
Uh, who, who's your favorite guy? Uh, I mean, me, I was Macho Man. I love yeah. Randy Macho Man. He just got me hyped up. So anyone that could put on that type of show with that voice, you know, you got him and uh, Jimmy, uh, I would say Superfly. Oh, Superfly was, was, was the man. Snooker's busy. Did you ever consider wrestling? <laughs> uh, well, I did a, uh, I've got a VHS tape somewhere where we did a, at a pep rally in high school, we did a whole wrestling thing. It was, uh, true. It was like the biggest adrenaline rush I've ever had in my life. True story. Um, but I was a big Hulk Hogan fan, my wrestling fandom. And this is, uh, Pete Rose, by the way, Charlie hustle, but, yeah. um, yeah, my wrestling fandom went in waves, you know, as a Hulk Hogan probably is the one that sort of brought me into the fold and then you kind of get out of it. But yeah, I've always been a, I'll still even pay attention. Like what's going on in the WWE nowadays? I watch you know, five minutes every six months. You know? Honestly, when, when my dad or my oldest brother broke it to me that it wasn't real, my interest in wrestling went down pretty hard. Uh, but I, yeah. I loved it until I was about nine or 10 years old. Coco Beware yeah, was my Hey, real quick, real quick. It may not be real, but Hulk Hogan did pick up Andre the Giant. So that yes. was real. Um, and YouTube, by the way, is a phenomenal place to look up uh, old wrestling matches, and you can uh, get that Hulk Hogan, uh, <laughs> the giant one. A couple people in I've our- already seen it. I've already seen it. Tim, the only reason he picked him up is because uh, Andre let him, you know, famous. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's the whole story. <laughs> Man. And th there's some amazing documentaries about Andre the Giant. I mean, all those guys, there's great documentaries about. There's going to be, hey, to bring it to bring it back to why we're here, I think there's going to be a, <laughs> a 30 for 30 about this one day, Greg. This oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yes. you know, I mean, you can make it about the U, like the USC. How is this going to play out, right? Like the USC Notre Dame coaching, you know, shitstorm, uh, and just see how this plays out. This is going to yeah. be fun to see. Well, especially if all three end up either in the playoffs at the same time or in contention for the playoff spots, which both all three programs, Notre Dame, LSU, and USC, should be, you know, perennial top 10, 15 teams, even in a bad year, I think. Well, well, let me go ahead, Tim. Go, Tim. No, no, I was just going to say, well, this goes back to what Greg was talking about, you know, with, with coaching searches and things of that nature. You know, you know, all the, the college writers and stuff of that nature at the, you know, the big newspapers and everything have been talking about, you know, you know, when was the last time a, a big time coach leaves a program he's at that's a blue blood? You got Oklahoma and you got Notre Dame, two of the, you know, top 10 historical mm -hmm. programs yeah. in the history of college football. And they leave. Now they obviously are going to two other big time football programs, but they leave. And that that doesn't happen. I was, you know, just wrapping my brain around a few things. The only one I could think, you know, obviously Jimbo Fisher left Florida State for AM, but that's not that's not leaving Notre Dame. That's not leaving Oklahoma to SC. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is I mean, this is wild. And I think you know, so many the, I think so many of those, Tim, are like, kind of like I look at Oklahoma to USC. I look at it as kind of a lateral move. Yeah, I mean, the, I the, it's remarkable because they are marquee programs, but they're the same. Like, I mean, I guess USC. You're going to piss off somebody inevitably, no matter what you say. But yeah, USC's got more lineage, more more history than Oklahoma does. But now you're going to piss off an Oklahoma fan. I don't know. Um, I had a pretty early with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah those, I, I was going to say those oh, two are pretty. What I want to say. One of my good friends <laughs> is a diehard LSU fan, 
And we talk about how LSU always has the athletes. They've always got first-round pick DBs, like especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've always got elite wide receivers. They've always got elite backs. In the years that they've had a quarterback, they win, right? Like the yeah. year you had Joe Burrow, you won. The year they had, I mean, Jamarcus Russell, who's a, he's a laughing stock now, but he was a legit. He was the first pick overall. Yeah. They're, they're, they're successful. Kelly can't develop a quarterback, A. Kelly doesn't. I've always felt like Kelly's Kelly's ego is too fragile where he doesn't want to bring in a five-star type personality quarterback. You know, these kids, these kids have been groomed their whole lives to, to, for that role. So that will be interesting because Kelly can't coach quarterbacks. He's a conservative kind of tight ass when it comes to the position and LSU needs a quarterback to win. That's sort of been proven out as, as you've sort of watched the, things, things transpire. So that'll be an interesting, I'll be watching that. Who plays quarterback? In what fashion do they play? Um, yeah, just LSU and not having a quarterback. The years that they do have it, they win. So, and, and I don't think Kelly can coach the position. Um, I'm putting this comment up. I, we're not yeah. necessarily dissing Kelly in terms of we're trying to draw uh, comparisons and contrasts with with Marcus Freeman, particularly how I'm dissing him. I'm dissing him. I mean, Mike Gould's might be dissing him. I mean, I agree with what the user, I mean, what the the viewer is saying. I mean, he did rehab the Notre Dame program. He's won a ton of games. But at the same time, I think Notre Dame fans are optimistic that they've always believed Notre Dame can win a national championship. And if Brian Kelly doesn't feel like they could have, and he hasn't explicitly said that, but his actions kind of say that, you know, Notre Dame fans are going to be excited about making a change then. He has well, said hey. it. One, yes, yes, I am dissing him because I'm going to jump <laughs> off this a little bit. I am dissing him. I don't fault the guy for chasing a quote-unquote better opportunity or chasing a, a bigger payday. I never will. It's the fashion in which he did it and that he talked to his team for three minutes and then dipped out without asking questions. It's almost like it looks like a lot of press conferences we see now with our president. But <laughs> you got to answer. Sometimes you got to face the fire, A, uh, I am dissing him, and it's just in the fashion in which he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, he has implicitly said, Greg, that uh, he measures his success. He did that interview with Fox after he passed Coach Rock, and he said, um, you know, I, I know I'm going to go down as the winningest coach and the guy that never won at all. And then the follow-up question, he was, it was something to the effect of, a, he's like, I judge success by getting the most out of our players. So there was no yeah. mention from Kelly in terms of I judge success by yeah. winning a national championship. He said that. Yeah, so, that was some of the well, shade let me say, I was referencing well, earlier. I thought there was a lot of shade thrown by both parties eventually at one another in terms of. Go ahead. Well, let me say as far as you know the diss. I don't think you know. I mean, sure, you could say it's diss on, on Brian Kelly. You come to Notre Dame to win national championships. You don't come to Notre Dame to hey, make sure my third string linebacker gets a lot of work on punt team and he's improved himself. No, no, that's not Notre Dame. You come to Notre Dame to win freaking, you know, to get to the highest level possible, which they have done now. All right. He's played for a national championship. He's gone to two final fours. All right. In the last three years, he's been there. But his refusal, going back to what Goolsby keeps harping on, which is the ultimate truth. They don't, they've never had a stud quarterback. And why is that? Brian Kelly's this guru, offensive guy that he claims that he is. So where's the quarterback? Where is the quarterback? You want to win a national championship, you got to work a little bit harder to go. And, you know, did he? No, he didn't because they did not jump. They did not get over the hump. He mm-hmm. got to the top. He got to that edge. He never got over the top. So it's not so much a diss. It's a realistic thing. 
And you could say the wing and his coach, great. Yeah, he's the winning as coach because he coached longer than anyone ever. Everyone's playing 12, 13 games. Rockney played <laughs> 9 to 10, so it still took him 12 years to beat it. So that shows you how much Rockney won back then. So uh, last, yeah, you can- I'm going ju- to jump off. I'm going to leave you with a last thought. Like, And this goes, kind of ties back into what we're talking about, Kelly, and not performing well, the team underperforming in big games, and – Kelly's ego, and this is all kind of loosely cobbled together here, but as an ex-player, I played in some big games, and that's why you go to Notre Dame is to play in these big games. I never – I don't know. I'm sure somebody can dig it up. I don't know if I ever heard Kelly, like, acknowledge the fact that, like, yes, this is a freaking huge game. This is – you know, this is going to define my legacy or this is going to define this team. Like he was like, nope, we're just going to handle the Clemson game like it's the Toledo game. It's like bullshit, dude. Like step up and acknowledge that this is this is why we're all here, right? A, and then if you don't acknowledge that publicly, maybe you do in a locker room, but now we can see his speeches and stuff and I still never got anything. But Tim, you know this as a coach, like that's, that's one of the things that I miss the most is like there's some of those like the night before the game, the pregame pep talk or whatever, like you will literally run through a brick wall that game. You're like, I, this is, I, I, you know, you get goosebumps thinking about it legitimately. I don't think Kelly ever got that out of his team. And I think that proved itself out, uh, proved itself to be true in those big games. I imagine, I imagine uh, that won't be the case with Coach Freeman. I think it'll be, you'll see a lot different energy and like, yes, we're going to acknowledge the fact that this is why we're all here. We're here to, kick USC's ass. And that's okay to say. It really is. Tim, closing hey, thoughts from you and then we'll wrap up. No, I was going to say just real quick, you know, with, you know, the Brian Kelly and some of the big games, I mean, he's on the edge of the college football playoff in 2015 and you, and you lose to Stanford. Obviously Stanford was good in 15. We get it, all those things, but, but get him over the damn hump and you're in the playoff. 2017, Notre Dame has not traveled to South Beach, in, you know, since 1989 in the famous uh, game down there, uh, you know, which broke, you know, the winning streak at 23. Mm-hmm. And they go down there in 2017 and lay, a, lay an egg, yeah. an egg, a chance to go play for a national championship and you lay an egg. I mean, that was, you know, that's probably, you know, it's got to be his top three worst games in his tenure. So there's many moments in, in this Brian Kelly tenure which that's what that's what happened you know sure he beat oklahoma in 12 and a couple of the good sc wins in michigan and things of that nature but a couple of those big monster ones yeah they they didn't do it and i think quarterback going back to what goolsby said is the biggie and i think freeman and reese are going to get together and they know that where you're not going to win the darn national championship unless you got a stud at that position well gentlemen thank you both so much for your time. We're almost at the hour point. We were at 1,200 concurrent viewers at one point, which is awesome. So thank you to, to everyone for tuning in. Hit like on this video. Subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel again. Stay tuned to blueandgold.com. Now we'll start talking about recruiting as early signing day is just around the corner and how Marcus Freeman will try to solidify the class of 22 and build on a really good start in the class of 2023. So everyone stay tuned and thanks for tuning in.